Welcome to the show. You're listening to the Hope Radio Podcast. Real stories, real people, real hope. My name is Sean Davis. I happen to be your humble host. And joining me as always, my co-host in life. She is my beautiful wife. Her name is... Just Jen. And you're along with us as we keep the hope train and moving on down the tracks. Choo-choo! Yes! I love the choo-choo. You did good on your (laughs) choo-choo. I like your choo-choo. My choo-choo's always the same. Yeah, I know, but it's a good one. Okay. And we've had the hope trains come by several times today. I know. Well, we might get an actual choo-choo. There's a lot of extra hope out there. There is, and we're going to be hope dealing today. We've got a special guest coming on. I will share more about her, but let's just know, Mm -hmm. just know, Jen. Just know. Just know it's going to be an awesome, awesome show. I like awesome shows. How you doing today? I am great. It's raining like crazy, but I'm great because I like the rain when I'm inside. You had the best day ever yesterday. Yes, I You've did. You've been wishing, wishing, wanting, and wanting yes. for what? Well, you know I've been carrying around a rain stick. What? And it makes these weird noises. I think there's like beans or rice or something inside. I thought I was getting close to a rattlesnake or no, something like that. No, it is a rain stick. So I've been <laughs> praying for the rain like... Like the tribes do. Yes. And like my heritage, I'm American Indian. Yeah. So you're a white lackey. You've been doing a rain dance. I've been doing the rain dance and it finally started raining here in California, which we desperately needed. And you probably know the statistics on how much rain we've gotten. Well, we are in the midst of what they call a bomb cyclone. Whoa. Doesn't that sound awesome? Yeah. A bomb cyclone. Really low pressure, extended, slow-moving storm that we went from the longest days. So this is in Sacramento for our listeners. We went from the longest period of days without rain Mm -hmm. to the first time it rains, we get the most rain in one day that has ever happened in Sacramento. 5.4 inches. A bomb cyclone. It was a bomb. A bomb of water. (laughs) Yeah. So I actually, because I yesterday was my best day ever, it was like the first day where we just did nothing but sit inside and watch the rain and listen to the rain. It was dark out all day long. We watched movies and got cozy by the fire and... I dream of those days. So it was your best day. It was my best day ever. Best day ever because you didn't have no no guilty feelings about not being nope. able to go do more nope. or whatever. You just gotta shelter in your home. I loved it. Love on your kids. Yes. Grab a cozy blanket. Watch the fire. Yes. I had all four kids too, so it was great. I know. It was a good day. Yeah. Perfect. Well, day. and and then now the sun shines out. I see the sun out. The skies are blue. Right now, yeah. I mean, it's drizzly, but it's the sun is starting to poke through. So, well, hey, it's it's making me happy. Seeing the sunshine is mm-hmm. making me happy. So, yeah. You know what else makes me happy? What? Joke time. Joke time. Are you ready? I'm ready. I'm ready too. All right, you want me to go first, or you want to go? I don't care. You want to go? Uh, I'll I'll be different. I'll oh. go this time. <laughs> sometimes I don't go, and then sometimes you want me to go. So I'll go first. Okay, go. All right. What's worse? Than finding a worm in your apple. Oh, um, I know this. Eating the worm in your apple. Why do you? (laughs) (laughs) You can't tell food jokes without me knowing. (laughs) Uh, You always do this. Did I totally get it? You ruined my joke. No, I'm just super smart at food jokes. No, what's worse than finding a worm in your apple? Finding half a worm. Yeah, because you ate the other half. And that'd be worse. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) 
Hey. You always beat me on joke I'm time. a professional joke teller. All right. Well, when it comes to eating food, food jokes. Food jokes only for me. Here's, let's hear well, your professional this is actually, food joke. This is actually a really cute joke, and it came from one of our listeners. Really? And so it happened to be about food because they know I tell jokes about food. So I'm going to share it with All you. Right. Are let's, you ready? Yep, I'm ready. Okay. What is the difference between the sun and bread? What is the difference between the sun and bread? I don't I don't have an idea. The sun rises in the east and bread rises from yeast. <laughs> I thought that was cute. I'm like, oh, I have to tell this one. So <laughs> that was a good one. It was cute. I huh? think mine would have been better if you didn't know it and had ruined it. Well, don't tell food jokes. Those are my jokes. Well, sometimes I swerve into your lane. What do you want from me? You're supposed to tell the analytical jokes that I do not get. Analytical? Yes. I'm analytical? The lengthy analytical jokes, those are the ones that I will never, ever get. Because one, I've checked out. And two, you (laughs) use words I don't even know what you're talking about. So I'm doodling or something. There you go. There's your secret. I told you how you can always... Well, here, you found a way to make me laugh regardless <laughs> right here. So my joke bombed, but you made me laugh with that. So thank you very that's much. That's the truth. <laughs> so uh, I want to tell you about our guest. We've got somebody that's uh, awesome coming on. Her name is Beate Schillet, and she's German, and she immigrated to the United States, went through what she calls, well, I'll paraphrase. Mm-hmm. It was pretty much a, a decade of adversity, decade of hell, like she went through, like yeah. challenge after challenge after adversity after adversity and, and significant stuff, too. But uh, came here as an immigrant, ended up building a company, ended up almost losing it, was in litigation, lost, built everything again, and ends up selling her company to Bill Gates, of all people. Yeah, crazy. And now, you know, like for millions, Mm -hmm. and now is living her best life, like impacting others. And we're going to hear all about her story. And she's also in California, so it's probably raining for her too. Probably is. And it's living her best life. She's still managing to live her best (laughs) life in the rain, right? Sometimes rain creates your best life because you get to get snuggly and cozy and I agree with it, yeah. All right, but let's call her and get her on the line. Let's see see what kind of hope she can deal for our listeners. Let's do it. All right, here we go. All right, it's my pleasure to welcome to the show, Beate Chalette. Welcome to Hope Radio Podcast. How are you today? I am excellent, and I am so excited to be here. Oh, my gosh. We are excited to share some time with you and unpack your story. I know it's going to be one of those excellent, excellent shows for us. And, you know, I just was uh, curious, for the benefit of our audience, tell us a little bit about where you are right now. Where do you live? Where do you call home? Tell us a little bit about your family life. So um, I live in Los Angeles, and I have been here for a very long time. I I've been a single mom uh, pretty much my entire life. And my baby girl is now 28 years old. Actually, no, she's 29. Jesus. And, uh, <laughs> Time flies, right? Jen and I have four you, boys. You know, there, and there, there, there comes a point and you go like, what, what, how old is she? And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, now she, and she's engaged and about to get married next year. And I just moved from Culver City to the Pacific Palisades here in Los Angeles because I am also engaged, and um, I, you know, who knew that both of us would be engaged uh, at the same time in this moment in our life? And I, I work as a growth architect, and much of my work is around helping visionaries and thought leaders 
to identify a strategy, a blueprint, tools and techniques and how to make their impact that they came here to do. Wow, that's awesome. So in, in essence, you it, to paraphrase, maybe a high-end executive, coach, and or entrepreneur, business, any, anybody that's trying to be excellent at what they do, you help them become more excellent. Would that be fair? Yes. So I find that a lot of people that have a big calling or that have been activated, how I call it, oftentimes don't understand the business strategy that will get them there. And so I can, you know, I, my super skill is around understanding sort of where all the puzzle pieces are. And then all I do is I'll pull them out and I'll assemble them so that we have a cohesive strategy and then they're off running. Oh man, I love that. And knowing a little bit about your backstory, I, I, I'm fascinated by this because, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but the United States is not your native country. You came from a completely different country as an immigrant and then had your fair share of adversity while coming here. But eventually the, the kicker is you end up selling a company to the likes of a guy by the name of Mr. Bill Gates. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be an awesome, awesome show. Somebody comes into this country, not their native home, and just kills it in business, but has some adversity along the way. So I'll let you unpack it however you want to unpack it. But yeah, please, yeah, do share your story of uh, hope and transformation for the benefit of our audience. Yes, and with the title of the show, you know, really staying in line with this. I mean, at the beginning, there was only hope. Uh, certainly not a skill set and certainly not the vision, but, you know, hope that I was going to somehow figure something out at some point and make something out of myself. That really was the hope, the wish, the dream. And I, um, I'm originally a photographer, so my only degree is really around um, how to take pictures. But I've always been very good at the business, so business just comes very easy to me. And, um, you know, when I immigrated here, I was photo editor at Al Magazine. I had a smoking career and everything was hunky-dory. The only problem, Sean and Jen, that I had is that at that point, you realize that when you have a high-powered position, people like you and will do things for you, not because of you, but because of the position you have. And I wanted to be acknowledged, liked, appreciated for what I did, not for who I worked for. And so I did the only sensible thing that at 23 I could come up with, which is to quit my job and immigrate um, to the United States. I'm originally from Germany. And, and for anybody who's ever met a German, you know, things are very much by the book. I mean, rules are there for a reason. And I think rules are there to be bent or broken. No, that's a natural conflict. <laughs> you you and I would get along really, really well. Jen is a rule follower. Yeah. I'm more of a maverick, you know, like I, 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 I like you. I, I, I think they're there to be bent and sometimes pushed and maybe <laughs> in certain occasions broken, you know, but Jen's a total rule follower. Yeah. You know, it is, it, is, it is hilarious. I remember, and this is a funny little side story. I remember one day my, the battery on my, my car, my BMW died. And I'm like looking everywhere, you know, uh, in a car and I'm like, I can't find the battery, which is very unusual. And I've done this many times before. So I go, you know, to my office and I, and I Google it and I figure out that the battery is in, in the trunk. And then my fiance said to me, 
Has it ever occurred to you that there's actually a manual with step-by-step instruction <laughs> where everything is in the car? And I said, it never even occurred to me. yeah so to me directions are for people that don't want to apply themselves okay so that's i'm the same as you you know like it it, to (laughs) me it's about learning and it's about exploring and so like i'll go to the instructions as a last resort but like i want to figure it out and i know exactly what you're talking about the first time i had a bmw2 i'm like whoa where'd the battery go and then you, you realize it's in the trunk. It's in the, you know, and I'm like, okay, that's interesting. That's a different way to approach this. I guess their engines are so dang powerful. They can't put the battery up there like everyone else does. I mean, that you know, that was a little bit of a shocker. So, <laughs> but, you know, but, but so much for, for, for following rules. Yeah. So, um, you know, and, and, and that really sets us up for the story because the story, my story is a story of um, really someone who, who figured it out on the fly. And I had what I call a decade of bad luck. And in this decade of bad luck, um, the story certainly wasn't written as it was a princess and the princess woke up one day and somebody handed her the crown eventually. (laughs) After a lot of amazing things happened. My story is earthquakes, fires, floods, uh, riots, a tsunami, September 11th, and uh, just one thing after another. And every time I thought I was going to get out of another disaster, and these were not little disasters, these were life-threatening major disasters. And, uh, you know, and, and here I am. And at one point I'm, I'm finding myself in, you know, finally I think I've got it all figured out. I'm running a million-dollar business. Things are going great. I'm, I'm, I'm going like, finally, 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 I got it. I got it together. And then I uh, had this feeling that there was something going on in my office with my key employee. And I fired her and I found out I fired her two weeks too late that she had uh, come up with a plan to run my business with a key vendor and uh, which was my business just without me. That was their idea for their business. And so invoices were paid to them that I had billed for. It was a mess. Being German, though, and having to be right, I sued both of them and uh, was suddenly involved in, 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 in Los Angeles. And it's everything as bad as you think it is. In this massive lawsuit, because what I didn't know, it was a whole insurance company that um, had issued a blanket insurance to all photographers that were part of an association. Um, and this was about the errors and omission clause. I mean, I didn't really know that lying was caught, you know, covered under errors and omissions, but that's a different story. And so I'm fighting, 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 and I'm a hundred thousand, over a hundred thousand dollars in debt. And I'm thinking production season is rolling around. At this time, I was working with Mercedes-Benz, BMW, with um, uh, you know Levi Strauss, Wrangler, a lot of great companies. They all flew to Los Angeles to have me produce the still photography. And then September 11th comes, and in one day, like literally in 24 hours, every single job I had canceled. I mean, it was over. It was literally over in one day. And aside from the human tragedy and, and you know, and, and my tragedy certainly wasn't even remotely close to people that have lost uh, family members, but it certainly destroyed my business. And so here I am and I don't know what to do, but, you know, I pretend that everything is good. The lawsuit settles a couple months later 
And I start literally with exactly zero because once it was settled, everything was paid. My debt was paid. My attorney was paid. I had nothing. Yeah. And so here I am. I'm starting all over again. And I had a really great idea. And that was to build up a stock photography syndication. And, but I had no money, so I'm going again in debt. And guess what? I'm back. $135,000 in debt. <laughs> within... <laughs> Within, so, within another year. So so before you move on, I just want to kind of unpack a few of those events because I think that there's people probably that are listening that, you know, would wonder how you weathered that. So so if you've never been in a lawsuit before, so here you are in the States, you know, you're this is not, you're, you immigrated here. Now you're embroiled in what I imagine to be just a significant, significant, you know, legal matter. And a lot of people don't understand about legal matters is they take far longer than what you think they will take. They cost a lot more money than you think that they'll cost. And the whole time you feel unsettled because of the uncertainty and then it just the icky feeling. And, you know, you're having to deal with all of the intricacies of building your case or defending yourself and all. So there's going to be people that wonder how you weathered that. I mean, are you a person of faith? Do you just have this, you know, strong intestinal fortitude or like, how did you get through that season of trial and uncertainty? Well, I mean, I certainly believe in a higher power. At that time, I certainly was struggling with the God concept because when you go through what I went through and at every corner there's somebody with a, a iron frying pan whacking you over the head every time you dare to get up, that isn't exactly faith building. So I had to figure out what I was, who I was, what I believed in, and why this kept happening to me, because it just wasn't normal. I mean, you know, when when, when I lost um, one of my key vendors in a tsunami in, in, in Thailand, you know, that doesn't really happen to people, but it did happen to me. And and all these things kind of just kept piling up. So I really struggled with the why. And then I realized that at one point, you're just going to have to stop asking why, because <laughs> it, 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 it literally virtually doesn't matter. And you have to trust that this is the life you've been given. And I remember, um, you know, and, and we'll talk about this, this turning point in a little bit. But I remember that there was a moment, uh, Sean and Jen, where I sat there and I thought, what is this about? It's like, what, what is it that I have to go through all of this? Somewhere at the end of it, somebody will have to derive a benefit of it. Because yes. otherwise, this would be all for nothing. And that really was the first thought of, understanding that maybe this activation and this is where I came up with this term maybe this activation is kind of like God's crash course to say hey the world's in a little bit of a crappy shape right now so how about I'll just take you through this really quickly so that way you can activate and then help other people to get to where they want to go <laughs> I think I think that's the biggest concept that people 
struggle with sometimes. I think people that are new to faith think that when they come into faith and that they that they subscribe to the idea of a God and faith and all that other stuff, that that means that they are then protected, that nothing bad's going to happen to them. And the reality of it is, is that's not, that's not how life works. And I think sometimes when, when these challenges hit us, and certainly Jen and I have been through our fair share, so we can relate. But I think when these challenges hit us in the moment, you say, why is this happening to me? But over time, as you reflect back on it, you realize it didn't happen to you. It happened for you. For you. That there was yeah. something in it, the nugget that was there. It was perseverance. It was it was trusting your gut. It was weathering it. It's iron being forged. You were forged. And then I think as a result of that, you now look at your life and look at what you've been able to accomplish. I think you probably view that season differently now in retrospect than you did while you were in it. A hundred percent. I. I believe that when I tell the story today, and my story is nothing other than really an extraordinary story of hope of and perseverance. And um, as I tell the story, I cannot even tell you how many thousands of, of times I've heard or, or gotten a note or somebody commented and said, your story always leaves, uh, your story left me inspired. And if you, were able to get through all these challenges that gives me hope that I too can master my challenges because clearly it must be possible. And that's how I prefer to tell the story. It's not the story of look how great I am and look all the stuff that I overcome, but look at the um, ability, the human spirit's ability to persevere through just extraordinary circumstances. And then at the end of it, uh, be victorious. And, you know, and I did sell my business uh, to Bill Gates and, and then, and then realize that what comes after that, is it retirement or is it the sharing of the story and inspiring others to reach their full potential, whatever that might be right after I help them figure out what that even is and devise and help them with strategies to get there. And uh, I can tell you today, what you said is absolutely correct. This crash course was everything. That was what was happening for me because it gave me this gift that uh, is my life today where I am so joyful and so happy and so um, and have such a strong belief in, in, in God's spirit, energy, and how, how all things are connected, how we all connected with each other. Uh, I wouldn't have had that if I didn't go through everything I went through. Oh, man, right there, 100% with you. And that's the, that's actually the biggest, most succinct origin story for us with Hope Radio Podcast. You know, my thought behind the whole Hope Radio Podcast was bringing people on that had overcome significant adversity in their life so that those stories could be a lamppost of hope for others. In other words, if Beate could make it through what she went through, then maybe I can make it through what I'm dealing with. You know, I can make it through my challenge right now. And so I think that's, I think that's incredible. So going back, you said that you, you, you're embroiled in the lawsuit, et cetera. So you have this idea. So the idea was that you were going to create a, a company that had stock photography, photos, etc., that you were going to then be able to have them use for various projects, etc. Am, am I understanding that correct? I'm just trying to figure out what, what exactly was the business that you ended up selling. 
Yeah, so the business was exactly that. And my specialty was architecture and interior photography. And it was all about, um, you know, uh, if you go to like Home Depot or a place where you look at paint brochures, we would provide those photos of those houses with the red roof and the red door. Or if you are remodeling your house and you go and look at uh, some coffee table books that you order and you look at all the different photos. I mean, to this day, if you look in the um, in the credits, you'll see Beata works. And, you know, these images still exist to this day and are being licensed all over the world. So um, that's, what, that's what I've built. And what happened is that in, you know, as I'm building this, you know, now I'm back $135,000 in debt. And I don't think I'm going to make it, right? So this is like the grand finale that, that God has reserved for me to just this like final big wham uh, to see how badly I really want it. And, you know, and, and I'm, I'm broke. I don't know what I'm going to do. I go to Germany. I meet my dad. I have a business trip wanting to drum up some, some licensing agreement. My father has a stroke. My father did not have a stroke. My father had pancreatic cancer. Uh-huh. And he dies six weeks later. So my, my, my best friend, my biggest cheerleader, my, my number one fan um, is dead. And so now we are in Germany, in Nether Bavaria, in this picturesque scenery where we are on top of this small hill with a Baroque church and overlooking the whole valley where my dad grew up. And my phone rings and it's my office in Los Angeles and they say we've just been served a notice. So on top of all of this, now I'm losing my house. And, you know, I didn't own the house, but I, I rented it. But, it, you know, the new landlord took over. I mean, it was it was just like, it's like in the movies, that's how bad it was. And so I figured, all right, this is a time where God and I need to have a little chat. So I... <laughs> I, I, I literally fell at the grave on my knees and I raised my fist at God and I and and I and and and, and I, I I yelled at him and I said, uh, if you have a plan, this would be an excellent time to fill me in at this moment in time because I've done it by the book. I, I pay my taxes. I raised my daughter. I did it by myself. I put it all on the line. I believed, you know, I, I did. I said, what else can I possibly do? And then I did the one thing that I hadn't done. I surrendered. Oh, I man. Surrend- I, I the, surrendered. The power, the power in surrender is um, often difficult to describe. I understand what you're saying. I've, I've been through a moment like that myself. So, you know, what was that like for you in that moment? Did, did you feel a peace come over you when you did that? Um, I don't know if it was peace per se. I, I think it was a, it, you know, it, it, it really was just a letting go. And, it, you know, I said, look, I did everything I could. At least I'm not drowning in a puddle. <laughs> At least I'm drowning in the ocean. This isn't this isn't death by a match. This is death by flaming inferno, right? So at least I figured it was worth it. Uh, 
you know, there's no reason to go bankrupt for $10,000, but for $135,000, that's an entirely different story. So, so I said, okay, fine. You know, I have this great idea, but I don't think I'm going to make it. And then what happened is I, I, I let it go. Uh, we, we packed up, we flew back to Los Angeles and, uh, I had to figure out, you know, where was I going to live and, and what was I going to do? But I had written a letter to the president of the United States months and months before out of my pure desperation. And so let's, Little, little do you know, I get a letter from the White House. And this letter from the White House put me in touch with a small business administration here in Los Angeles, but not with some underling, but with the deputy chief director, the second in command. And I walked in with my business plan that I had written on weekends and until midnight and with my portfolio and the gentleman said to me, I'm going to put in what you put in. And that was for the first time when I felt hope. For the oh. first time, I felt hope. And uh, three months later, they found me a bank that was restructuring my debt uh, into a 10-year fixed loan that freed up my line of credit, that brought me back the cash that I needed. And three months later, I'm break-even. So between bankruptcy oh. and break-even, it was three months. Oh my gosh. I love that. That is a powerful, powerful story there. The whole idea that you immigrated to this country and then you, you have this idea, you know what? I'm, I'm struggling here. So I'm just going to write to the biggest, most opportunistic person I can find. I'm going to write to the president. I'm going to tell him what I need to have right now in this moment. And look at what unfolded. I just... You know, my, my experience with uh, with adversity has been that that right when it feels like it's the most difficult, when it feels the most suffocating, is right before something breaks through, right before some big blessing and or revelation occurs. And I w- I would think that your story is a perfect example of that as well. You know, to go from you know, contemplating bankruptcy to being flush and have everything restructured and people coming alongside you in a three month period of time. That just goes to show for those that are listening, how quickly sometimes a situation can change. So don't lose hope. Uh, You're absolutely correct. And I think that um, what happens is that, you know, I mean, uh, truth be told, right? I only wrote this letter because my former mother-in-law just wouldn't wouldn't stop talking about it. I thought it was the dumbest, most ridiculous idea I've ever heard in my entire life. And and I only did that because I literally could not bear one more phone call with her where she would ask me on whether or not I had written the letter to the president. Because after all, he's your president. And if not the president, then who would be able to help you? Why not take it all the way to the top? After all, he's the president. I got it. I'm writing the letter. So that's and, 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 and God bless her. I mean, what, what, what a crazy turn of events. It was this letter that changed everything. Well, see, and God, then, God uh, works through other people. So sometimes what we can't yeah. see is that they're experiencing some sort of significant prompting in their spirit that they can't let go of. That, or I like to say it won't let go of them. 
that happened with me with the podcast with Hope Radio podcast. And so it's like this when it's when it's persistent, when it when when the spirit chases you, when you feel it and it won't you can't escape it. It like keeps popping up, popping up. My feeling has been or what I've realized is that often is a god-led prompting. Something that, you know, you need to pay attention to. And so, you know, to your point, yeah, God bless her for listening to that and continuing to pursue you with that because that was exactly what you we're praying for, but you had no idea that that was going to be the mechanism under which you would get relief. I'm so glad that you say that because I believe that that really is what I'm what I'm seeing now again, you know, as well, is that we are so attached that we believe that the path to where we set out to go is the path that we know or recognize, and that is so not true. The the opportunity never never shows up the way you think it will. The opportunity is going to come out of the left field. It's going to look like a challenge. It's going to come with significant investments. It's going to come with, uh, uh, I call these, uh, and I hope it's okay to say this, oh shit moment <laughs> where, where, where it happens and you look at this and you go, oh shit, what do I do now? And, and there's so many of them, and, and that is designed for you to lean in, stretch, and push harder than you've ever pushed before. And, and you know, people sometimes say, well, you just have to say yes. And it didn't dawn on me that that's what it was meant, what was meant by that. But that is the yes. The yes is to say, this is outrageous. This makes no sense to me. This is something I would normally not do. So, yes. I'm going to do it. <laughs> See, taking you where he took you, going through the mm-hmm. adversity that you went through has now mm-hmm. conditioned you to be a lot more receptive to these out of left field types of opportunities. It's also given you the opportunity to feel more um, protected against what other people might freak out about. So, so for example, let me give you an example. If you've ever been through litigation, Jen and I've been through litigation. If you've ever been through it, you know, you, you at some point realize what the process is and it's certainly not as scary. It's intimidating, but it's certainly not as scary as it was pre that. And so as life goes on, the builder, you, the bigger you build something, the more adversity you might see. We live in a litigious society. So the next time that it happens, it doesn't have the same, (gasps) what am I going to do? Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. You know, kind of a situation. So like when you've been through a whole (laughs) bunch of those, you know, experiences in life, when you've weathered those, you know, like life changing, serious moments that, a lot of people, you know, when they experience for the first time, feel like they're suffocating from you, you tend to start to be a little bit less, let's say, anxious, uh, worried. Oh, 100%. Concerned. So if somebody says today, I'm going to sue you, I laugh. I'm like, <laughs> go. I get like, it. Go, go, go ahead. I said, let's see if you have $130,000 to do this. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Hey, what, here's a, here's a good attorney, by the way, they charge about 400, 500 bucks an hour. I mean, the good ones are even more than that, but yeah, you, you go ahead, go have your visit. See, see how interested they are in taking your case. Yes. Yeah, know. exactly. And, and the $20,000 retainer, that's only the first letter. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So I, you, you get it, but like you could, you could have other examples too. I mean, going through what you, you did with, you know, employees and this, I mean, a lot of people could get jaded. I don't want to bring anybody alongside me because the last person ended up trying to take over my company. And like, you just got to kind of weather 
these storms and realize there's a much bigger picture at play, that if you're going to come into your destiny, what he puts you on this planet to do, and that is a powerful purpose, let's just assume it is, then you're going to have to weather some stuff. You're going to have to develop some thick skin. You're going to have to, you know, rise to the occasion to be able to handle the position that he's expected to put you in or wants to put you in, you know? And so that's, that's when you know, that whole point of it didn't happen to you. You're not a victim. This is happening for you. If you could just see your destiny, if you could see your future and see how that's going to unfold, you'll realize that this is happening for you, not to you. Yes, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And I think that is really the challenge or our own ministry as we are walking through life to look at this passive victimization. And, and, and I will say this, though, that a lot of times what I see with people with faith and my mother being an example, my mother has taken faith as in a different direction, though. For her, it is about uh, she's gotten, you know, if, if, if Jesus bore his cross, so has she. So she, she's been dragging that cross through her entire life, feeling that there's absolutely nothing she can do about this. And I, I will say that, um, at least for me, and I'm certainly not going to judge anybody's faith, but I will say that if, if people are listening to this podcast, number one, first of all, you please do subscribe, tell all your friends about it, uh, because these Wonderful people do not get paid. So um, we love, we do this because we like the feedback and because we like hearing from you. So make sure you leave a note or you send them an email and tell them that you appreciate what they do because that's the lifeblood of sharing messages of hope. Oh, thank um, you for that. I appreciate that. Appreciate, appreciate that plug. And yeah, we do we do it to, to come alongside our, our fellow humans. We do it because we want to give back. And um, this is an opportunity for us to do so. And so thank you for that plug. And yeah, like, like, subscribe, leave us a review. And if you have a message of hope to share, reach out to us. We're on Facebook and Instagram at Hope Radio Podcast. So go ahead, continue. Exactly. Yes. And so uh, the second piece of that is that I believe that the transformation of understanding that, yes, when you are in adversity, you are being um, activated to step up to your greatness. But the adversity isn't what defines you. It is what you do with the adversity that will define you. And the story, how the story is written, that's on you. What happens in the story, the players are the players, but how the story will be told is up to you. So I probably that's probably the biggest lesson I have learned in my life is that yes, there's nothing I can do about people stealing, lying, cheating, doing what people do. Um, that's between them and their creator and their conscience. They, they, they're just doing who they, what they do, who they are. They're showing us who they are. What I have control over is on whether or not I want somebody like this in my life. And then once I have this experience, what do I want this experience to be? How do I want my story to be told? And I certainly would not have ever allowed the story to be told that they would be right in the end. Yeah. I wanted to tell the story and the story would tell I was right. But it was very <laughs> different than I thought that it went. And I want to remind all of our listeners that you weathered all of this. Okay, let's not forget 
that you weathered all this as a single mom. So here you are, you know, fighting in the business world, fighting in the, you know, litigious legal world, trying to develop a company, working with banks, you know, dealing with SBA, you know, higher ups. And the whole time you're, you're a single mom too. Like, like I, I just marvel at your strength in that situation to weather all of that. You know, it's not like you had the respite of having, you know, a partner care for your, you know, child while you were having a tough day or had a tough day. Like I I just, you know, like that, I think that makes you even 10 times more powerful just knowing that you were doing all of this as a single mom as well. Yeah. And that was probably uh, the most challenging piece. You know, my ex-husband is a, you know, is an alcoholic, a pathological liar. And then he didn't want to be involved. He didn't want to pay child support. And that was very ugly. And, you know, but in all of this, I mean, just to finish, you know, the, the highlight of the story so that everybody gets the happy ending that they, <laughs> that yes. they know is coming is, you know, and then what happened is once I was the uh, bro- broke even, I became the industry leader in my category and I licensed into 79 countries in the world. And then a Bill Gates company came and wanted to know how I did this because I was, um, became famous in celebrity at home stories. And while I didn't invent the celebrity at home story, but because I had gone after A-listers, um, which I knew from my photography days that it was way better to go after A-listers than after anyone else. And A-listers work with A-listers. And so suddenly I get Francis Ford Coppola, Terry Hedger, Simon Baker, uh, Seal. I get all these unbelievable celebrity homes. And remember, I was photo editor at Elle magazine. So did I know how to sell these things? You bet I did. And um, so it came full circle. And then they said, can you tell us how you do it? And like any decent woman, I said, absolutely not. You want it? You have to pay for it. And that's how they said, how much do you want? And I named a multi-million dollar amount and they said, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. That, that is an incredible story. So just, just to make sure I'm on the same page with you. So you grew the, and and this was still architecture and interior design and stuff like that, but Mm -hmm. you, you grew it by going after A-listers, celebrities, people in power, people of influence, Etc., and then that you rapidly grew it. So you had a whole portfolio of all of these images of all of these A listers, their homes, you know, what they look like, etc. Correct? Yes, yeah, very similar to that. I, 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 I went after the photographers, and because the photographers were under contract with me, under exclusive contract, they, they were really photographing these stories. So they came uh, out of embargo and then they landed on my desk and that's what, you know, and, and from there on forward, I, I managed it. Interesting. So when you sold the company, did you, did you sell the process how you acquired or did you sell the images or both? I sold everything. I sold the whole thing. Interesting. Yeah, everything. Yeah. So Jen and I built a company. I was in financial services for 22 years, had my own registered investment advisory firm, grew it from nothing, sold it. Likewise, like you, sold it for a nice, tidy profit. And uh, Jen looks at me and goes, okay, are we retired? Does this mean we're retired? And I'm like, you know me. 
Like, what's the chance or likelihood I'm going to kick up my feet and sail off into the sunset and just be retired? No, we're, we're not yet retired. I'm too young for that. Right? Remember? Right, yeah. <laughs> Jen's like, no, come on. I just want to, you know, be in Mexico and let's just enjoy time down there. Yeah. I'm like, so okay. there was this moment. There was this moment. So I joined a mastermind. And we're sitting in this room and there's like a hundred men and two women, one of which I am. And I said, I have this idea and I shared my idea and it was like, you could hear a pin drop in the room. Mm. And then I went, I said, well, but I worked so hard this entire time. It was so difficult. Why can't I not just like enjoy my life a little bit right now? I feel like I should be doing something else, but you know, I'm struggling with it. And then a friend of mine who was in this mastermind, the name of Bart Christian, how fitting of a last name, right? Who is a, 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 a very strong man of faith. He came to me and he said, have you ever thought about that God gave you this so you could do what you really came here to do? Ooh. Now that's got to pique your interest. When somebody speaks that kind of, uh, you know, that kind of language into your life, you pay attention. You're like, whoa, I see what you're doing. I see where you're going with this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that was, that really was the, the moment where, I said, okay, so how I'm going to take this now and how I'm going to make this, how I'm going to make this something that isn't meaningful and matters to people. I love that. Um, and I, I likewise feel the same way. So I'm, I'm a business because I have grown businesses. I've sold businesses. Jen and I have multiple different businesses. I like, I love business. So I'm a business coach and I'm also a uh, life coach for some selective folks. And, um, I, you know, I've never felt more fulfilled than to help others rise, you know, help others come into their potential, help others, you know, live their true purpose, you know, in life. And I, and I think that you can share that. And I think that it's, it's, I think we have a lot in common because when you've, when you've been through significant adversity in your life, I, I have my own story. Jen and I have our own story to share in that regard. But when you've been through that, it, it, it forges you. It, it, it makes you less afraid to, to chase after. And like, the, like for, we went bankrupt in 2009 and having lost everything in 2009. And when I went bankrupt, I mean, we had hundreds of thousands of dollars that we owed. And it was just that situation. I owed a lot of back taxes to the IRS and you can't discharge those. And you know, three years later, I'm walking into the office in Sacramento, writing a check for 375 grand to pay off, you know, all of my back taxes on my birthday. And yeah. it was just such a, such a God moment, such a celebration. And it was just this full circle moment. But I, I guess my point is, is that when you, when you go through that stuff, when you've weathered enough of some significant challenges, man, it just makes you so much more able to just respond and capitalize on ideas or on businesses or on wild, wacky thoughts that come into your head. Because like, you know, Jen and I used to say in the, in the midst of it, when we were going through the bankruptcy, that we'd look at each other and we'd get bill collectors calling us and stuff like that before that happened. And I, and I just looked at her and I said, well, they can't eat us. It's not like we're on some African plane in, in, the, in the, you know, worried about lions, you know. <laughs> It's just people that we owe money to. And the reality of it is, is this will pass, you know, there'll be a season for everything. And, and I think that that kind of a mindset really helps you to move forward in life later. I think, yes, I think that when you, when you go through this, a decade of adversity and, and you get hits like this, you, you train yourself 
to not worry about things you don't have any control over. I worried about money twice a month when I had to pay my bills. I could not, I could not be in that mindset of money's here the entire month. It would have been, it would have been detrimental to my, to my ability to survive. And you, you get very clear that you have to focus on how you're going to get out, that you can't keep spending too much time on why you're in it because you're so deep in it. All you want to do is claw your way out of it. And so I, 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 I hear you. And then when the turn comes, the turn's usually pretty rapid. You know, it's, it's just this last piece of, of absolute darkness. It's like the last final challenge of how bad do you want it? And once you're through that, boom, I mean, suddenly you have so many opportunities. And then you're going to have to say yes to a lot of things that you never thought you would say yes to. <laughs> <laughs> and say no to a whole bunch of things too, because you learn that too. You, you you learn where not to spend your time and energy and where to. Yes, especially with needy people. Um, that, <laughs> I understand that, that completely. That, 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 yeah, that I have learned is that, you know, and that sometimes is a little bit sad to some people. When you get out of that, you're going to lose some of your friends because not everybody wants to see you succeed. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a hard, that was a hard piece. Uh, of how people look at you differently when you become successful and you realize that they are not willing to change their mindset, but you've changed and they changed involuntarily. Mm -hmm. So you have to be prepared for that, but you find different people, other people, different friends, and you just keep moving on. Yeah, you just, you do. You just got to keep rising. So curious question. I'm sure there's somebody that's listening right now that is going through their version of a decade long schlog of nothing but adversity after adversity after adversity. So, you know, what can you speak to the person right now that's listening that may be at the very bottom of their reservoir of hope because of what they're dealing with and or experiencing? I would say there's a couple of things. So number one, there is, you know, keep in mind that resilience is the audacity to not give up. So that to me is the definition. And if you're being put through the ringer right now, you have to remind yourself that it's not always going to be like this, that this is just now. And in some weird way, you have to trust that this is a skill set that you are being taught for something bigger that comes after that. It's like almost like the prerequisite, right? Um, because if you were to go in a Formula One racing, it's not exactly like you go there and you sit in the car and you go. You'll have to take some lessons first and you're going to have to take some fitness training and workout and mental stuff before you can handle the pressure of doing something like that. So I believe that, you know, number one, resilience. Number two, looking at failure as road signs that help you to determine where not to go. That I compare to if you were to have a GPS in your car that has an outdated chip and you end up in a cul-de-sac, you wouldn't get out of the car, throw yourself on the ground and cry and and be upset that you're in a cul-de-sac. You just get back in the bloody car and turn around and find another way, right? So, 
great Very analogy. I will, like I will never forget that. I will never forget that. Jen, you got Jen laughing right now. We're just imagining somebody having a fit right in the middle of a cul-de-sac. <laughs> <laughs> and yet people do it all the time. It's yeah. like, oh my God, I, you know, I, I thought he loved me. I thought that he was trustworthy. I thought she meant it when she said, I thought that this was a job for me forever. Oh, please. <laughs> it's a sign. It's a sign that says, not this. <laughs> no. So turn around and find another way. Yeah, I think sometimes, uh, you know, the, the further the distance you get. So if, I'll, I'll give you an example. The further I was having this conversation with somebody earlier. Um, think about high school or think about college, right? So you, you, you slog for four years with college. Most people do, right? So you've got exams, you got classes, it's burdensome, you got reports, you got a thesis, you got, and there's no reward. That whole time, like you're just in and then you're having to pay for it. So maybe there's an accumulation of debt, but you don't do it because you want it to pay you right now. You don't do it because it's going to make you a million bucks today. You do it for the 30, 40 years that you're going to elevate your ability to make money after that. And so there's, all you know, think about physicality. You know, if you're going to get back into shape, I mean, the first three weeks are hell. I mean, they just feel that way. Every bone in your body is going to be sore. It's not fun. You know, you, the, the results don't come as quick as you want them to. But yet you do it because, you know, you, you don't expect it to be immediate, but you're wanting to change your life. And over time, you look back on it and go, man, I'm just, I'm glad I'm not there any longer, you know? And so I think people forget that there's a process, that hard things do come and go, but the hard things help you to grow, and the more you grow, the more opportunity, the more enlightenment, the more, you know, elevation I think you're going to see in your life. You're absolutely correct that the attachment to the way the path goes is an illusion. The only two things you have to control over is where you are today and where you want to go. Once you know where you want to go and you got that very clear in your head, the path will appear. And then, and then it's game time and then you're on. And a lot of people, then when the path shows up in form of challenges, they don't want to take the challenge because it's too difficult because they think if it's meant to be, it's supposed to be easy. It's not, um, the bigger, the bigger you're calling, the bigger the challenges. Amen to that. That is that, that right there is awesome. And I, I agree with, I've heard, I've heard you several times say what you just said. And I think that that's the most impactful thing that you can say, you know, you've, you've got to weather those events to be able to rise higher and it's not easy. It's for you. It's not, it didn't happen to you, but it happened for you. And going through this, like the the big thing for us is, is the same thing. We're in the midst of what you just described right now, Jen and I, so for the last couple of years, we've been flipping houses and we thought that was the way that God wanted us to go. And then all of a sudden, this another opportunity really dropped in our laps. It was from out of nowhere. We didn't really see it coming. And now it's transformed us like this is just in the last three, four weeks. So now we started a new business that we're doing and we're like super excited and it feels like everything's coming together and we're all inspired. But it took weathering all of last year to make it to this point. But now we, now that we see this, we go, okay, that's why we had to deal with what we dealt with. It was preparing us for this, exactly. you know? And I, and I think that that, that, that realization is a moment where your hope bucket gets filled a lot more because the pieces start to come together and you start to go, oh, I get it. I see it. 
you know, but when you're in it, it's hard to see. Like if I'm, if I'm swimming out in the ocean and I'm struggling in the water because of a riptide or whatever, in that moment, it's hard to see the shore. But like, as soon as you get free from it, you're like, okay, I'm going to be okay. <sighs> okay. Now I can, now I can make it. <laughs> right. Yes. Yes. You're absolutely correct. And that's where hope and faith comes in mm-hmm. is that I have learned that the minute I let go of trying to manipulate or determine what the steps are that are going to get me there, I do a lot better. If I just can keep going and if I look at the opportunities that are coming to me and let those be my markers, I'll do a lot better. Yeah. Well said. You've been a phenomenal hope dealer for us, Beate. I I just uh, thank you so much for your time today and thank you for your story. And uh, I had fun. I had fun talking with you and uh, chatting with you. And I just think that you are an awesome world changer and you inspire others to to rise higher. And um, I, I appreciate that. So thank you so much for sharing some time with us on the Hope Radio podcast. Thank you so much, Sean, for having me. Thank you, Jen. It's been a pleasure to be here. Thank you. All right, Jen, what'd you think of that interview with Beate? I love that interview with Beate. I, I like, loved it too. I like saying her name. I do too. You know. I'm changing my name. Are you? Yeah. Beate Davis. Hey, I think it flows. It flows, right? Yeah. No, I I think she is a girl boss, rock star. She does all the things and she just was amazing. I mean, I was literally just really into this interview. I know. Well, I I found myself the same way. I felt like we were sparking off each other. Like she'd have an, I'm like, I know right where you're going. And like, it was just a shared shared life experience of recognizing a fellow mm-hmm. hope dealer very similar a fellow survivor yes a fellow i overcame a whole yep. bunch of adversity yep. yes you know and so yeah i think i think that that was awesome just to hear her story and and to come and and then the kicker is like we we've been in partnership you and i right right, right. like so we've weathered our most challenging. I mean, like we're high school sweethearts. So mm-hmm. like we've weathered life. We've weathered together. our bomb cyclones. Yes. Yes. She single mom. I know. I mean, she's recently engaged. That's what I'm saying. She is like a girl boss. She just does the thing. Yeah. So. Yeah. And I, and I think the biggest takeaway that I had from this whole interview, which is what we're living today is that, that I think as you go through life, you know, we're making plans and then mm-hmm. that old adage is God's laughing as yeah, we're making plans. Right, and right. so like we, we get so steadfast and that we think that we have to go this way, that the way that we're going to move forward in life is this way. And then out of left field, mm-hmm. he'll surprise us with something that we were never expecting that ends up being We awesome. always say that it's never, never, ever, ever the way that you think or expect in your head. Yes. It's always different. So now we actually try to think of the different <laughs> first instead of what we expect. We're like, okay, if this is what we expect, it's going to be this. <laughs> you know what? I, I've gotten to the point where now I'm just holding on to any expectations yeah. so lightly. It that is it doesn't what it really, is. It, it's going to be it's like, going to be what it'll be. Father God, whatever opportunity you got to share with me. Yep. Like knock me upside the head with it, so I know it's it's from you. All Be right. Careful what you ask for. Stop. You're right. <laughs> I gotta I gotta tap on the wood. <laughs> Sometimes you gotta yeah. be careful what you say That's or pray. That's right. But no, I thought it was uh, awesome, and I think she's uh, just a fantastic hope dealer, and I and I look forward to uh, keeping that connection yeah, because I absolutely. think that she's just uh, she's out there changing the world. She sure is. And I and I like people that do that. Mm-hmm.
All right. So, Jen, how do people get in contact with us if they've got a story of hope to share? Well, if you want to share your very own story of hope, you can reach out to us on the Hope Radio podcast on Instagram or Facebook. So just leave us a direct message and we'll get back to you ASAP. Yeah, we'd love to share Mm -hmm. your story of hope with others and have you become one of our more recent hope dealers. Keep the hope train moving on down the tracks. Choo-choo! All right. So I think we have one more thing to talk about, Jen. What's that? Our next show. We're going to do another one tomorrow. I've got another interview coming tomorrow. tomorrow. Can you believe it? Yes. More hope coming. I love giving hope, sharing hope, hearing hope, all the hope. All on the, the hope. train tomorrow. <laughs> Here we go.